Vacations with my father were these exquisite exercises in anarchy. The rule with my father's vacations was we would go in the direction we chose until half the money ran out, and then we would turn around and go back. Welcome to the Valley Voices podcast. For New England Public Radio, I'm J. Kyle Sullivan. It's been some time since our last podcast, but we're back with another episode as we look forward to one final night of competition from our second season. The Best of Valley Voices is being held this Saturday at the Academy of Music in Northampton. And here we thought we'd offer a kind of preview of what you can expect from this week's show. Our very first winner from the 2015 Best Of, Suzanne Schmidt, will be joining us again. Last year, she offered this story, chosen by audience vote, as our very best from the first season. If you want a perfect example of a bell curve, you need look no further than the middle school chorus. Because on one end, on the high end, you have kids that can really sing and love to sing. And on the low end, you have kids that can't sing and love to sing. <laughs> but the majority of that curve lies right in the center, which are kids that can kind of sing, but think they're too cool to learn the words. Now, before you judge me for my participation in this middle category, I want to let you know that in 1970, there were very few choices for girls in public school. There was typing, and I didn't think computers was really going to take a hold in the way that it did. <laughs> and then there was home ec, and I'd been asked not to return to that class following the souffle explosion. So here I was in middle school chorus, and pretty early in, I realized I've got to come up with a strategy. And so I invented what is now widely known as the reverbial delay method. And this was that I would pair myself up with a kid on the high end and wait for him to sing his note. And then I would jump in right behind him. Oh, oh, say, say, can, can you, you, see, see? And I felt like this added enormous depth to the choir. And even the chorus director who really wanted me to loan the words, at one point one of the girls said, she's cheating. And he said, it's middle school chorus. <laughs> so this method worked perfectly for two full seasons until O'Tannenbaum was on the program. Now the performance went great because it turns out the reverbial delay method is multilinguistic. So by the end of two seasons, I could sing in nine different languages, including Swahili and Latin. But my German grandmother was in the audience. And at the end of the performance, we went back to her house and she said, oh, Susan, that was lovely. Please sing that again. My brother who was there said, yes, please do sing that again. I think we all like to hear it. So I started out strong. Oh, Tannenbaum, oh, Tannenbaum. Hab kein delayed, oh, Hosen. Now my dad, who spent most of my childhood sort of going, what is happening? Who are these children following me around? Decided this is the moment he's going to dial into his parenting. And he leans over and he says, I just want to clarify what I think I heard you sing. <laughs> oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, I have no traditional German pants. <laughs> these were the four words I knew in German and I'd strung them together into a sentence. Now luckily my grandmother had started to lose her hearing and luckily also my mother was there and she 
always had my back. And my mother said, let's sing Edelweiss, because we all know the words for that. And this was the song that reminded us when we had picked up my grandmother when she came back from Germany for the only trip that she had made back. And she brought with her, in her coat sleeve, smuggled across three countries, a tiny little sprig of what she called Wulblumen, Edelweiss. And she planted this in the back garden, and she cultivated it over a lifetime. And in the summers, when we were done with the chores, we would lay back on this amazing bed of beautiful flowers, and she would tell me all of the stories about growing up in Germany. And she told me how she came to this country, and that in 1920, when her mother died of tuberculosis, her stepmother put her on a boat in a, with all of her belongings in a steamer trunk and sent her to Ellis Island. She knew new, no one, she spoke no English, and she restarted her life. When my grandmother died in 1993, my brother and I cleaned out her house, and we found that trunk in her closet. And inside the trunk was a package that had never been opened, and the postmark said Mulocker, Germany. And the date was 1983, 10 years before she had died. Why did she keep this package? We wanted to respect the fact that she didn't want to open this. That lasted about nine seconds. <laughs> we just ripped that apart. And inside the package was some letters in German that I couldn't really read because there was no line that said, I have no German pants. <laughs> and some pictures of people we didn't know. And on the back of one of the pictures, it said Adolf Kling, her eldest brother. And it was a picture of him in a Nazi uniform. The air got sucked out of the room, and for that moment we thought, how is this possible? How has she never told us this? Did she know? She must have known. I think that was the moment that I realized, if you want an example of a perfect bell curve, you need look no further than your own lives. Because on one end, the things we get from our families are amazing, and if we cultivate them, we can pass them down for generations. And on the other end, there are dark, shameful, horrible secrets. But most of our lives live solidly in the middle of that curve, where we are just humming along, hoping no one realizes we don't know the words. Suzanne's certainly not the only storyteller who shared with us some of the important lessons learned from family. During our Stranger Story Slam at the Northampton Brewery this year, David Bully came away as audience favorite with a story about one of his more memorable family vacations. You'll catch him with another tale this Saturday at the Academy of Music. I learned everything I needed to know about how to treat strangers when my dad took a hitchhiker on vacation with us. Vacations with my father were these exquisite exercises in anarchy. He was, he was a mill worker and he would literally, instead of going to the bank, he would save his paychecks without cashing them for several weeks. And then we would hop into Wobbles the car, which was an old Chrysler with the wood panels and the wobbly wheel and the soft brakes. And so we would come up to a stop sign and it would slow down and then he would yell, Flintstone, and everybody had to open the car door and stick their leg out. <laughs> I don't know if it actually helped looking back, but we did it. And years later, we did it when I double dated with my dad, which, 
the ladies love it when you double date with your dad in a broken car. But for this particular vacation, uh, Wobbles had another uh, little quirk. The windshield wipers had a bare spot, so they would go and then they would stop. And as the navigator and the oldest son, it was my job in the rain to always have my window completely open and to stick my arm out and the windshield wipers would come over like that and I would hit it and knock it back. So every rainstorm, I was half soaked. But the rule with my father's vacations was we would go in the direction we chose until half the money ran out. And then we would turn around and go back. And we could do whatever we wanted. If there was a dead deer by the side of the road, we'd be like, Dad, let's visit the deer. And he'd pull over and we would stop and investigate and poke it with sticks and whatever. And then when we were ready, we'd hop in the car and move on. We would stop at a restaurant, then we would stop at another restaurant five miles down the road because it looked good. We never let a go-kart park go unmolested. So on this particular vacation, we got onto the road, we were heading west, I remember that, and we were trying to stay as west as possible until half the money ran out. And there was a hitchhiker on the side of the road. He was in his early 20s, um, scraggly, long hair, and he was carrying a little dog. It was a mutt, like a toy, something or other. And we all the kids, we loved the dog. We saw it on the side of the road, and we were like, Dad, pick up the hitchhiker. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> Wobbles, pulls over, and the hitchhiker jumps in the back. I was in the front, because I was the navigator, and the rain guy. And all my little brothers were in the back, and they got to sit with the hitchhiker and the dog. The hitchhiker's name was Kevin, he told us. And we went down the road. We didn't get 10, 15 miles when there was a hot dog stand. Dad, time for a hot dog. So he pulls over and we get a hot dog. And this is the moment where all of us fell in love with Kevin. Because we bought him a hot dog and we gave him the hot dog and he said thank you and he was really grateful for it. And then he took the hot dog out of the bun and broke it in half and gave half to his dog and he ate the rest, and we fell in love with Kevin. And we looked at my father like, Dad, can we keep him, can we keep him? <laughs> and, and my dad is like, yeah, yeah, we can keep him. <laughs> so he, we, he, Kevin went with us. We went down the road, and we had a water slide. Oh, let's stop at the water slide. Kevin left the dog in the car and went down the water slide in his jeans. He didn't have a bathing suit with him. He wasn't prepared for vacation. But whatever we did, he stopped and did it. There was an alpine slide that was on a monorail, and it was just a break. And we went to the top of the mountain, and I was first. And I went, pushed the thing all the way forward to get down the mountain first. And it was so fast, and the wind was blowing my hair back. And I was laughing, and I looked back, and Kevin was right behind me. Kevin was going as fast as he could, and he was laughing, and he was like, I'm going to get you. So he was my new best friend. He was all of our new best friends. He was totally just, he had no real agenda. He was traveling to Philadelphia. Um, it would take a while. So it rained that night, so we didn't stay at a campground. We stayed um, at a motel. And of course, Kevin started to walk away to thank us for the night, and my father looked at the rain, and he said, uh, come in. Kevin was delighted to discover that the motel had soap. 
And I have to tell you, we were delighted that Kevin discovered the soap. So he went to take a shower, and my father was turning his, his corner of the bed, the sheets down, and I was playing with my brothers, wrestling in the corner, and he said, Davy. And I looked up, and my father had the look like this was significant. And he held his wallet up, the wallet with all the money, our entire vacation. The $100 bills falling out, and it was ripped, and it was wad, and huge. And he held it there until I really knew that he was telling me something important. And then he picked up his pillow, and he put the money under the pillow. And I got it. Like, I got it, and I have it to this day. I got it. Like, you can be kind to strangers. And it's okay to be a little bit careful. And we approach that, and I still approach strangers fearlessly. But, you know, not stupid either. So, there you have it. Our winner from the Stranger Story Slam, held back in February of this year. David's going to be sharing a new story live this Saturday at our Best of Valley Voices Showcase with the Academy of Music Theater. Visit nepr.net slash valleyvoices to learn more and to check out some of the other storytellers from the Valley Voices podcast. Be sure to catch us the last Wednesday of every month with the new Valley Voices podcast. Next episode, we'll hear from some of our storytellers that you can catch live this weekend. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. And if you like what you've heard, let us know how you feel and leave a review. Catch us in October for another episode of the Valley Voices podcast. For New England Public Radio, I'm Jay Kyle Sullivan. Music